The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. So we're at the start of what's probably going to be a very interesting week, and there are uh, compelling things and funny things going on. One that's funny is funny, not because Joe Biden is the be all end all of fixing America or anything like it. But it's funny because it's a sign of just how terribly the Republican Party has performed, even for many Republicans over the last 18 months. Joe Biden's approval rating in Texas among Texas voters is higher than Texas's own Republican governor, Greg Abbott, if you can imagine Uh, the poll conducted by the University of Houston Hobby School of Public Affairs has Joe Biden at a 41 percent approval rating in Texas, whereas the Republican governor, Greg Abbott, is only at 39 percent approval in the state of Texas. Now, there's a bunch of interesting layers to this story, and I hope to get get to all of them or at least all, all that I'm aware of. The first is that Greg Abbott is going to be up for reelection in the year 2022. And there's talk of Beto O'Rourke challenging him. We saw Texas closer in the November of 2020 presidential election than it's been in a very long time. And if these numbers remain where Joe Biden is more popular than Greg Abbott in Texas, it could be a really tough reelection and it could be an opportunity for a Democratic governor to actually win the state of Texas. That would be fascinating to see. Now, second, this confirms that the high approval that Joe Biden is experiencing nationally, we saw it at 63 percent early last week or the week before that is being supported not just by Democratic approval of Joe Biden in blue states, but it's also being supported by higher than typical approval for a Democratic president from voters in red states, including the state of Texas. And then the third aspect of this is that right now, at least much of what Biden has done and much of what his approval is riding on is his coronavirus response. I've been saying for weeks now, just move forward with the one point nine trillion covid relief package that's been proposed by Biden and by Democrats. Don't negotiate with these bad faith Republicans. Let them all vote against it if that's what they want to do. And so far, Democrats are moving in that direction. The approval numbers for Biden overall and on covid response and the support of the covid relief bill to me signal that Republicans are voting against the bill at their own peril if that's what they do. What I mean by that is this covid relief bill that Joe Biden and Democrats want is popular enough with Republicans that if Republican senators and members of Congress all want to oppose it, they are taking on significant political risk for doing so. Now, one important caveat about Abbott's approval. Some Republicans in Texas don't like Greg Abbott because he did do a mask mandate. So it's not all as simple as Biden has a higher approval because Abbott didn't do enough. There are people upset with Abbott in Texas because he didn't do enough. And there are people upset with Abbott because he did too much, even though he did a mask mandate. It was basically toothless. And uh, it's sort of like the worst of both worlds. But the point here is that even in Texas, Joe Biden's approval higher than Republican Republican Governor Greg Abbott's. And that's more evidence that the country is crossing party lines on what they want to see as far as covid response is concerned. And if Republicans become attached to we stood in the way of covid, 
and we stood in the way of you getting any money, it can could continue to massacre them into 2022. And remember that under Donald Trump, Republicans lost the House in 2018. They lost the Senate and the White House in 2020. They saw Georgia go blue and Texas go closer to blue in the presidential election. And the Republican Party really is at risk here. And especially now with Donald Trump considering launching this new political party. It is a very tender situation for the party. We'll talk a little bit more later about the willingness of the Republican electorate to abandon the party and to go with Trump. We have some new polling about that. But as has been the theme with the Republican Party for the last four years, much of this is unforced errors. This all goes back to if Trump had just let Fauci run the show, had gotten behind guidelines, had offered American flag masks for Republicans to buy and wear, he would have been reelected. Republicans would probably still have the Senate. Now we're talking about a Democratic president with a higher approval rating in Texas than the Republican governor. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, Joe Biden believes that Donald Trump should not continue receiving intelligence briefings and is going to uh, stop them. Uh, Joe Biden was interviewed on CBS Evening News on Friday. Nora O'Donnell asked him about this and Joe Biden said he should stop getting the intelligence briefings. You may know, you may not, you may know that former presidents uh, receive intelligence briefings even they're after, uh, even after they're out of office. And it includes uh, classified information. But we have a very, I don't want to say very unique, it's just unique. It's a unique situation in which Donald Trump continuing to receive these briefings may actually pose a national security risk. And Trump, Trump couldn't even be trusted with classified information as president. Of course, he can't be trusted with classified information back as a uh, private citizen. And this is the first time that a former president is being cut out of briefings. And uh, here is Joe Biden explaining why. Should former President Trump still receive intelligence briefings? I think not. Why not? Because of his erratic behavior unrelated to the insurrection. I mean, you've called him an existential threat. You've called him dangerous. You've called him reckless. Yeah, I have, and I believe it. What's your worst fear if he continues to get these intelligence briefings? I'd rather not speculate out loud. I just think that there is no need for him to have that, that intelligence briefing. What value is giving him an intelligence briefing? What impact does he have at all other than the fact he might slip and say something? Joe Biden's absolutely correct. Donald Trump's intelligence briefings should have been cut off on the first day that he was out of office. Something nobody is saying but is relevant is the question of is Trump even getting them? If he is, is he listening? If he's listening, does he remember or understand the content of them? And then what is he doing with that information? Morally, Donald Trump is exactly the type of person who would figure out how to monetize or trade access to that information if he came up with a way to do it. I don't know that he's actually clever enough to figure out a way to do it, but Trump is a sort of like who's the highest bidder for what I know type of guy. Why even take a chance? Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff has been talking about this for a while. He said a couple of weeks ago, days before Trump left office, uh, Trump shouldn't get these briefings. And he makes another great point as to why he leaves office. He should be denied access to intelligence briefings. Would you urge the Biden administration to do that? 
Absolutely. There's no circumstance uh, in which this president should get another intelligence briefing, not now, uh, not in the future. Uh, I don't think he can be trusted with it now, uh, and in the future he certainly can't be trusted. Indeed, there were, uh, I think, any number of intelligence partners of ours around the world uh, who probably started withholding information from us because they didn't trust the president uh, would, would, uh, would safeguard that information and protect their sources and methods. This is a really good point. Aside from what Trump will do with the information, we know that during Trump's presidency, many of our allies were being more careful about what they told the United States for fear it would get to Trump and Trump would spill the beans. If they know Trump still gets intelligence briefings, that might continue cutting Trump off from the intelligence briefings. Not only is the right decision from a national security standpoint, it probably helps revive some of our relationships, uh, including as far as intelligence sharing is concerned with other countries. That's something that is a big task for Joe Biden, reestablishing some of those damaged relationships. Joe Biden is right to do this. And uh, the official announcement about it happening should be coming any moment now. One of the things I've been talking about during the last year of Donald Trump's presidency and during the campaign and during the transition period and during Joe Biden's nascent presidency is that the Republican Party at this point has stopped even pretending to be about policy and values and is merely about performative outrage, misplaced outrage, laughable outrage. We're going to look at an example in a moment, but I think this is an important sort of reset to do. And I know many of you might be thinking, David, you know, the Republican Party hasn't really been about policy for a very long time. That's true, but they used to pretend to be about policy for a time. The Republican Party really was about tax cuts for the rich, cutting budgets by cutting social programs, uh, spreading, spreading the quote, spreading democracy through invasive foreign policy around the world. They tried passing bills to get these things done. Eventually, during the end of the Bush era and into the Barack Obama uh, presidency, both terms, the Republican Party started to become about policy in name only, but not sincerely. They went from really trying to do policy to just talking about it, but not really caring about policy. You know, they'd claim to be about cutting the deficit and reducing the debt and fiscal responsibility, but not when George W. Bush wanted to explode the deficit by going to war with the wrong country. And they refused to acknowledge when Barack Obama did cut the deficit. So they went from being about a few policies, bad policies, policies I disagreed with, to only claiming to be about those policies while not actually doing a thing about it. And we saw more and more that the Republican Party became obsessed with grievances, the so-called war on Christmas they were fighting, fighting non-existent censorship, fighting non-existent oppression by gay people at what they called the gay lobby rather than of LGBTQ folks, that type of thing. And then Trump ran on policy, terrible policy, but he ran on it and then just didn't do it when he became president of the United States. He ran on building a wall. He didn't build it. He ran on replacing Obamacare with a beautiful new health care plan. Plan never existed. I think we're still two weeks away from Trump unveiling it, even though he's out of office. He ran on paying off the debt in one term. He did the opposite. And over the presidency of Donald Trump, the Republican Party went from being about these bad policy ideas to being about the news is fake. You can only trust us. Everybody else is lying to you. 
Democrats are censoring you and us. Social media is censoring you and us. They're being unfair to Trump. They're canceling Thanksgiving. They're canceling Christmas. They're canceling the Constitution. They're canceling, you know, covid guidelines violate the, the Constitution. And so what we have left today is a Trumpian Republican Party that is about nothing other than performative outrage. What policy is Marjorie Taylor Greene about? Nothing. She barely even pretends to be about policy because she knows nothing about policy. And it's essentially a grievance campaign. What policy is Madison Cawthorn about? Nothing. And in fact, we've gotten reports from inside his staff that he is running a communications platform rather than a policy platform. We know we could tell it's all about being outraged at the left for things that don't even exist. And right wing media has jumped on the train, probably because it's profitable for them. I'm going to play a clip now. That is the epitome of this. Fox News invited a Minnesota Republican state senator named Julia Coleman on. Why did they do that? Because she's furious and Fox News is outraged that Minnesota educational standards don't rail against socialism enough. And that's the reason that she's outraged. Take a look. Standards have a stated purpose more like that of the 1619 project mm. than that of maintaining freedom. Well, that it's all part of an evolution that went from the civics department to social studies. Uh, here's a here's a we, a we actually reached out to the Minnesota Department of Education for a statement. Here's a portion of what they said. They said the benchmarks listed in this first draft are simply examples of what could be included under each standard. Historical U.S. events like World War II and the Holocaust are being taught in Minnesota schools. We welcome Senator Coleman's feedback as we as well as the feedback of every American. So based on what you've revealed, do you feel like they're fairly including uh, portions of, say, World War II? And would they exclude them if no one spoke up about it? If you didn't expose this, what would they get away with? Well, quite frankly, Pete, this is not exactly true what they're saying, because 5,000 parents in Minnesota reached out to the review board stating their concerns and they were brushed off in a recent meeting. Now, if you're having trouble understanding what she's so mad about and what Fox host Pete Hegseth is so mad about, it's because it's all a performative farce. This is what the Republican Party in the immediate post Trump era is about. Nothing outrage porn based on nothing. Now, the question becomes and, and it's a it's an important question for the Republican Party to answer. How long can the Republican Party survive on the platform of baseless outrage for a while? It will work because you're getting people outraged. But if they continue to be about imaginary censorship while voting against a covid relief bill that Joe Biden and Democrats get done and it gets money to people and voters know it. What is this outrage performative nonsense do for them in the 2022 midterms? I don't know the answer and it remains to be seen, but it could be very, very bad. And we'll talk about it a little bit more later in the context of this third party that Donald Trump is looking at and which 64 percent of Republicans, if you can believe it, would be open to joining and abandoning the Republican Party. We'll talk about that later. You can find me on Twitter at D Pacman. The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com. Start your day and your new year off right with Just Egg, which is one of our sponsors. You've heard me talk about the importance of having a diet that is more heavily plant based than it's something I've done over the last few years. I've always loved eggs. 
So it's great that there is a delicious plant based version of egg with all the protein of egg that just egg brings with it. But it's made from mung beans, so it uses ninety eight percent less water and causes ninety three percent fewer carbon emissions than a conventional egg. And just egg cooks and tastes exactly like a conventional egg. I've tried it for omelets, scrambled eggs, French toast, banana bread, pad thai, anything you'd normally use eggs for. And I actually think if I cooked something for a friend without telling them about just egg, they wouldn't even know the difference. Find it in the egg aisle at your grocery store on Amazon Prime now or on Instacart. And they also have a frozen version perfect for breakfast sandwiches. Just egg. Try it out. You may not have known this, but when you see me sitting here on the show, I am often wearing shirts by a company called Teddy Stratford. I asked them to be a sponsor because they are by far my favorite shirts that I own with almost all other slim fit button up shirts I've worn. You get this annoying stretched out gap in the chest where the buttons are, which does not look good. But what makes Teddy Stratford shirts unique is this patented zipper that's hidden underneath the buttons, which actually prevents the chest from looking weird and stretched out like that. It looks really good. And just all around, they cut the entire shirt in a specific way that makes your upper body look a lot better. It's just a much nicer and more stylish fit than you get from other shirts. And they hand make everything with 100% Egyptian cotton and flat felled seams, which means it's going to be a lot more durable than other shirts and last a lot longer, which I really love. Go check them out at davidpackman.com slash Teddy. The link is in the podcast notes and they'll give you 15% off your first order if you use the coupon code Pacman at checkout. That's P-A-K-M-A-N. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. The David Pakman Show is mostly funded by viewers and listeners like you through the membership program. Consider signing up at joinpakman.com, and not only will you know you are supporting alternatives to homogenous corporate media, you also get cool stuff, including the daily bonus show produced just for our members. Sign up at joinpacman.com. So you've got to see this stuff. There's a growing trend which we expected for reporters to ask Joe Biden's White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, tough questions during press briefings that aren't actually tough questions. They're just sort of fake drama and attack lines. And I'm the first person to tell you that every press secretary, regardless of party, should get tough questions, real tough questions, questions like Joe Biden promised two thousand dollar checks right away. And we're three weeks in and talking about fourteen hundred dollars. Explain that's a real question of uh, urgent importance to the American people. But what I'm going to play for you today and what we've seen in the press briefing room for two and a half weeks now under Joe Biden's presidency these aren't real tough questions. These are ridiculous questions. So let's check out some of these examples. Here is a reporter asking, why won't Joe Biden call Antifa terrorists? What are the definitions of terrorists and why is the focus only on January 6th? That there was Jake Sullivan mentioned the focus on domestic terrorism yesterday mm -hmm. from this administration. I think a lot of people want to know how does this administration define the term domestic terrorist? In, in what way? Well, 
Well, does that include Antifa specifically? What, how do you set those parameters for domestic terrorists, especially as we see you know, a lot of focus on the January 6th, mm -hmm. maybe not as much focus on some of the extremism and violence in the, North, the Northwest? Well, uh, I've answered a version of this question a couple times before, but I know everybody's not in the briefing room every day. Uh, the reason we have the review, which is not a political review, uh, but is a review done by our national security team, something tasked, again, uh, to take a review of domestic violent extremism, will cover uh, uh, incidents uh, across the board. You sort of get the sense that Jen Psaki deals with this the way a parent deals with an obstinate kid throwing a tantrum, sort of like some amused detachment, but still having to remain strict in order to control the situation and not encourage bad behavior. And then a question that sort of tries to paint teachers as these stubborn adversaries refusing to go back to school. And Jen Psaki does a good job of not letting the framing be that teachers are bad and the enemy and are going to have to be forced back those questions. But go ahead. Will President Biden use the power of the bully pulpit to help cajole teachers who are unwilling to go back to schools to go back? Well, one, I'm just going to reject the premise of the question. Uh, I will say um, I have teachers in my family, as I'm sure many of you do. Um, they are the first people to tell you that being uh, teaching in the classroom and being able to engage with kids in the classroom or middle schoolers or high schoolers in the classroom, it makes their job more enjoyable, makes them more effective at what they do. So she turns the question around and it doesn't matter. The reporter keeps going and then tries to incorrectly, <laughs> inaccurately summarize what Jen Psaki actually said. That sounded like a yes with an asterisk. I, 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 you, if you are the spokesperson for the White House, you could certainly say that, but you are not. But you can ask me another question. My second quick question uh, is uh, last year. These briefings are there's there's an attempt to turn these briefings into a joke, but for very different reasons than they were a joke under Trump's White House press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany. Another game that they're playing is saying, you know, Biden said unity. Biden promised bipartisanship, but no Republicans are supporting the covid bill. So is this evidence that Joe Biden is abandoning bipartisanship and unity? And Jen Psaki is receiving this question all the time and she's doing a good job answering. And given the president's remarks earlier and his change of tone, it does seem that he is now OK if this does happen just with Democratic support, despite those hopes and despite his calls for unity. Well, first of all, the president ran on the on, uh, on unifying the country and putting forward ideas that would help address the crises we're facing. He didn't run on a promise to unite the Democratic and Republican Party into one party in Washington. Uh, this package has the vast majority of support from the American public. I'm fine with the question and she should keep answering it this way, but it needs to be said really clearly. Joe Biden made a proposal and then met with Republicans to hear their side, to get their thoughts, to get a sense of what they want. Republicans proposed something absurd. They proposed a package less than one third the size of what Democrats and Joe Biden want. And what Joe Biden and Democrats want is popular with the American people. Joe Biden has a 69 percent approval rating on covid, 63 percent approval overall. You don't get that with just Democrats. Trump never even got to 50 percent approval on one day of his presidency. 
And Joe Biden's already at 63 overall, 69 on covid. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Joe Biden engaged with Republicans. The American people want something else. Democrats want something else. And Joe Biden wants something else. And it's Joe Biden's responsibility to get it done. At some point, you can't keep waiting around for bad faith actors. So I guess this is sort of how it's going to be. I would prefer rather than silly non gotchas that they actually put together some serious, well calibrated, tough questions. That's what I would like to see. It's not clear that that's actually going to happen. And uh, as we saw uh, very early on in Joe Biden's presidency, it's not clear that, you know, the as she points out, unity and bipartisanship don't mean you have to give up everything to get a Republican to vote with you. When you have the country more behind you and more behind these ideas than they ever were behind anything Donald Trump did, uh, at some point you have to just say, "Listen, we I, I offered everything. We offered the meetings. We offered what they want is ridiculous. We're not going to do it. It's not what the American people want." At a certain point, you have to do that. It's your responsibility, and I hope that that's actually what Joe Biden is doing now. Hey, this is super super interesting. The top rated program on Fox Business, the Lou Dobbs program has been canceled. Lou Dobbs tonight is the name of the show. Now, most of you, I'm, I'm guessing, know about Fox News. Fox Business is sort of like the m less well rated little sister or brother to Fox News. And the most popular show on that channel was Lou Dobbs tonight. Lou Dobbs has been canceled abruptly. Uh, Fox Business Network uh, announced on a Friday that Lou Dobbs program is effective immediately off the air. There's going to be an interim show starting on Monday. And it's weird because this is the highest rated uh, highest rated show. The channel doesn't do that well. The best thing they had going from the standpoint of ratings was the Lou Dobbs program. And now he's gone. He often had twice the rating of the show that led into his show. That's really rare in television. And Lou Dobbs is a veteran anchor at this point. I mean, he's out of his mind when it comes to his political views, but he's been around for a long time. He's sort of a known entity. And um, what appears to be going on here is that Fox Business, as much as Fox News, Newsmax, OAN, they are very worried about legal exposure because of the absolutely uh, out of this world lies that were being perpetrated and perpetuated and uh, uh, spread by Lou Dobbs and his guests. Lou Dobbs had the the whole uh, what would you call them? The, the whole gang, the, the whole Brady Bunch on his program, Sidney Powell and, you know, all of the people that were spreading the election lies about the election was stolen by Joe Biden from Donald Trump, all of this stuff. And so my reaction to this is very much like my reaction to Republican officials from the Bush era leaving the Republican Party, which we talked about last week. It's very much like my reaction to Newsmax airing a piece saying we believe the results of the election or whatever. Fox is taking this step because they got destroyed in a nearly 300 page legal complaint about their election fraud coverage. Lou Dobbs was as big a player as anybody in that legal complaint. He was one of the primary promulgators 
of the election fraud nonsense. And now they're at risk of serious financial consequences. Now, I think uh, so, so as far as ethics or whatever, this is merely a financial decision. That's it. I think a question that needs to be asked more so. I mean, listen, Newsmax and OAN, they are not what Fox is in terms of corporate infrastructure. Will any executives at Fox be fired for allowing Lou Dobbs to spread this nonsense for month be, months? Because any one of them could have stopped this very quickly and they opted not to do it until they were in legal hot water. As far as Lou Dobbs, I don't know. I don't know. He's no spring chicken. Maybe he'll go in the direction of Newsmax or OAN, but even they've been careful about the voter fraud stuff over the last couple of weeks for the same reasons. Huge legal liability. Now, one other thought, and we're going to get to this a little later. Over the weekend, a whole bunch of Fox shows, Janine Pirro, Jesse Waters, a bunch of others, they did segments on cancel culture. They didn't mention this. They didn't mention this. I mean, listen, this is a conservative getting canceled, right? But somehow this cancellation doesn't play well into the story of social media and Democrats and left wingers and communists and socialists and Marxists and whoever else canceling conservatives. But isn't this what their outrage porn stories have been all about? Conservatives getting canceled, except this one's by Fox News and it's for legal reasons of significant financial consequence. The fact by oh, one last thought. This was the highest rated show on Fox Business. That says a lot about what's going on at Fox Business. Like what on earth is going on at Fox Business that Lou Dobbs is the highest rated show. So my prediction is we will see more of this, not because anybody's found a moral compass, not because anybody of these wacky right wing network networks have all of a sudden decided that we really need to value truth. Uh, no, these are merely business decisions, and they are worried about having to pay out a ton, a ton of money. We'll have more about this on our Instagram page, which you can find at David Pakman Show. Find me on Instagram at david.pakman. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. What if you could read 10 books in just one sitting? That's exactly what one of my favorite apps lets you do. It's called Blinkist. And what they do is take thousands of popular nonfiction books. They condense them down into text or audio that you can consume in 15 minutes. Blinkist makes sure that you're getting all of the important core insights from each book. So it's perfect for exploring a book you otherwise wouldn't have time for. If there's a full book you're thinking about buying, you can use Blinkist to get a sample first. Just think how much you can enrich yourself by being able to soak up an entire nonfiction book in just 15 minutes. I recently checked out the book Podcast Marketing Strategy by Daniel Rolls and Kieran Rogers, and so useful, so particularly applicable to what I'm doing. Really recommend it. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library. But you can try it totally free and get 25 percent off a subscription when you go to Blinkist.com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman. 
I want to take a second to tell you about one of our sponsors, SNH Masks. SNH Masks has everything you need when it comes to face masks and other protective gear for COVID-19, and they're giving my audience 20% off. SNH Masks is the company that I've personally been going to for face masks. I love and trust the products they sell, and that's actually why I reached out to them about being a sponsor. I've tried tons of different face masks this year, like many of you, and I still have not found a mask that is more comfortable or easier to breathe in than the washable cotton masks that they sell. It's made of a silky lightweight cloth that feels great on the skin, has a convenient adjustable strap. They also have disposable cloth masks, which are really comfortable, as well as all of the other gear like face shields, alcohol wipes, no touch infrared thermometers. And all of their prices are very reasonable. I also love SNH masks because they've donated over 60,000 masks to healthcare institutions. They're an excellent company. Shipping is just five bucks and shipping is free on orders over one hundred and fifty dollars. You can get there by going to davidpackmancom slash mask. The link is in the podcast notes and you can save 20 percent on everything in their store when you use coupon code David. Welcome back to the David Pakman show. So this weekend, Fox News was completely off the deep end in a hilarious amalgam of calculated cancel culture complaints and possibly even drunken hosts again. Yes, I'm talking about Janine Pirro. So let's take a quick tour through all of it. Now, I, I have to tell you, I expected right wing media to get really, really nuts when Donald Trump left. And there were a lot of different reasons for that. Some of them were political, some of them were financial, some of them were the personal sort of uh, 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 goals of individuals wanting to maintain proximity to power in different ways or whatever. I didn't think it would be this cartoonish. So first of all, Judge Jeanine Pirro, uh, she's a ho former judge and host on Fox News. She hosted Republican Senator Rand Paul, who at this point is comically not credible as an individual. And Rand Paul asserted without any evidence, you know, because of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's alleged connections to China, if China nuked the United States, Joe Biden might not even respond. What? Joe Biden would do nothing if the U.S. was nuked. What are you talking about, Rand? Yes, that's what he's saying. Take a look. Real question. There has been question also of Hunter Biden's and the Biden family ties to Chinese business. And there may be something that they consider that they have an in with the Bidens that will cause them uh, not to respond to any kind of nuclear aggression. I hope not. Now, of course, that claim was was made, as you can probably tell, completely without any evidence whatsoever. The idea that Biden would do nothing if China nuked the United States is so absurd as a thing for a, a sitting senator to say that the discussion we should be having is whether Rand Paul should or can be expelled from the Senate rather than whether there's any merit to what he's saying. And then a, a seemingly drunk again. I mean, this is not the first time this has happened. Um, a, an unbalanced Judge Jeanine Pirro talks about cancel culture, but fails to mention her own network canceled Lou Dobbs the day before. Take a look. You're the weak ones. You're the unfaithful ones. You don't deserve a job with three months off. 
So an entire segment about they'll never cancel me and canceling this and canceling that, shutting down the other thing, not a single mention of Lou Dobbs being canceled by Fox News. That's really the only prominent Republican cancellation I can think of recently. Josh Hawley not getting to do a book with a private company. That's not a cancellation. That's called business. Um, but no mention of the Lou Dobbs cancellation. Then on another show on this same Saturday night, Jesse Waters, who's another host at Fox News, <laughs> brings in Dog the Bounty Hunter for political analysis about a supposed crime wave being driven by Joe Biden, even though Biden's done nothing of the sort. Now, Dog is not totally coherent here, but I have to give Dog credit. He didn't feed into the framing of the segment as much as I would have expected him to. And he actually said, let's see what Joe Biden does. I hope Joe Biden does well. You'll hear a lot of very strange noises in the background, dog wearing sunglasses. I mean, it's all very weird, but uh, dog doesn't doesn't jump in full uh, uh, head first the way I thought he was going to. Uh, for more on this dog, the bounty hunter, Dwayne dog Chapman. All right. Do you agree with my assessment? Those four things that are driving the crime wave and what are we going to do about it? Well, uh, yes, kind of, I agree. I just don't think there's that much gloom and doom. But, you know, uh, I'd like to, ever, everyone is waiting to see what President Biden's uh, crime plan is. Uh, we hope that he's solid on crime and not that he's uh, soft on it. We want him, of course, to back the blue. We want officers protected. We want our civil rights protected. And, I, you know, we're going into I'm uh, not I'm an optimist, so I'm excited about going into the new, uh, you know, new realm for America right now. I want to see what President Biden has got for for crime and hoping that the prosecutors are not all soft on crime. And uh, let's see what he's got. Right. We want Joe Biden to be solid and not soft. But OK, I mean, thanks, dog. I, at least he didn't come in and just directly slander Biden the way Jesse Waters wanted him to do. I'm guessing that's not the analysis Jesse Waters was hoping for. Jesse Waters also did an entire segment on the supposed canceling of conservatives. So Janine Pirro did a defiant segment about cancellation. Jesse Waters did a segment about cancellation of conservatives. Lo and behold, Jesse also didn't mention that Lou Dobbs just 24 hours earlier was canceled by Jesse's own network. That apparently was not an important data point in the cancellation of conservatives to make the segment. Then yesterday morning, Republican Senator Ron Johnson goes on uh, Maria Bartiromo's show and uh, makes all sorts of wacky speculation. What is this impeachment all about? We now know that uh, 45 Republican senators believe it's unconstitutional. Is this another diversionary operation? Is this meant to deflect uh, away from potentially what, what the speaker knew and when she knew it? I don't know, but I'm suspicious. Yeah, so speculation completely without any evidence there. And here's a bonus segment. This is Ron Johnson referring to this. Is, this is, I've never heard this before. He referred to my birth country of Argentina as Argentina. I, I don't know why. I absolutely love this bonus clip for you from yesterday morning. A study that coming just the day before out of Argentina. So uh, <laughs> as you can see, 
a lot of chaos coming out of Argentina affecting the United States right now. And I will be calling my relatives to figure out what exactly is happening down there. I need to know really strange stuff happening on Fox News and Fox News is in this interesting little place where they are trying to figure out how do we what what are we? There's almost like an identity crisis on Fox News. On the one hand, by acknowledging that Joe Biden won, we lost a bunch of our audience to Fox to a Newsmax and OAN. On the other hand, if we go crazier right, it's hard to go crazier right without getting into the types of conspiracy theories that get you sued, uh, like about Dominion voting machines, Smartmatic or whatever. At the same time, if we don't go right, we might keep losing audience. It's not an enviable position for me to be where Fox News is right now, uh, but that's partially because my morality would never let me work at Fox News in the first place. So I'm probably not the right person to be commenting. But the next few months are going to be very interesting to watch the dynamics of right wing media. And uh, you know what? There's a excellent, excellent book. It's I don't even know if this book is in print still. I was able to get a copy when I taught that class uh, uh, that when I taught a college class about media literacy and other things, I got a copy of this book called Waves of Rancor. And is it rancor or rancor? I never knew how to say that word. In any case, the book is basically about the history of right wing media, and it goes back to talking about, you know, Father Coughlin and, and how a lot of uh, right wing radio started with a religious orientation and all the it's very, very interesting. And there are sort of like these main eras that are of significant change to right wing media and how the, the right has used various types of airwaves and uh, methods of communication for advancing their agenda. We may be in a realignment right now, and the realignment is a combination of things. It's the rift in the Republican Party between Trumpism and non Trumpism affecting how these different media outlets relate to each other and to the real world, uh, combined with the actual uh, repercussions that some are experiencing for violating terms and conditions on a variety of different platforms. So we could be I, I don't know what the next six months will bring. I do think part of it will will depend on whether Donald Trump launches this third party. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, later on in the program. Hey, this is very, very interesting. A majority of the country believes that Donald Trump should be convicted in his second impeachment trial, which starts tomorrow. Tomorrow, February 9th, is the beginning of the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump in the Senate. And a majority of Americans now say that they support a conviction for Donald Trump in the Senate and that they support Trump being banned from holding federal office again in the future. This is a new ABC News Ipsos poll released yesterday. These are very different numbers than we saw during Donald Trump's first impeachment in the ABC News Washington Post poll published in late January of 2020. That was the first impeachment trial. Forty seven percent of Americans then said Trump should be convicted and removed from office by the Senate. In this latest poll, 56 percent of Americans say that Donald Trump should be convicted and barred from holding office. And uh, this is notable for a few different reasons, most importantly, because in the United States, you don't get 56 percent when it's only Democrats. I think I, I don't have the latest numbers in front of me. I think Democrats only make up about it's in the low 30s, I believe, uh, of the United States. The low 30s percent are uh, Democrats, meaning to get to 56, you've got 
a bunch of independents as well as uh, uh, some Republicans in there as well. So 56 percent say convict Trump. Um, and we are going to see uh, I, I don't believe there's any chance we get a conviction, but we are going to see another example of how the will of the people is not reflected in what our elected officials do. Now, I've spoken before about how the Senate is fundamentally anti-democratic to begin with the Senate with two senators from each state, regardless of that state's population, allows senators who represent only 17 percent of the population to control the majority of the votes or in some cases when 60 votes are needed to prevent the majority from actually getting their way. So the it, it is it is a fundamentally anti democratic body. And it's important to remember that, you know, the QAnon wing of the Republican Party doesn't care that 56 percent of the country wants Trump convicted. Um, Republicans who have already prejudged this impeachment trial and have already decided they're not going to vote to convict. They're not going to be swayed by what their constituents think. Come on, guys, swayed by what their constituents think. They're, they're going to be swayed by the interests of the party and their donors. Um, and uh, this is at we talk about the major issues in American politics and, and sort of in the United States. And of course, uh, campaign finance and how elections are financed is a big part of that. The election system, meaning the Electoral College plus first past the post is a big issue. Climate change is, of course, a big issue. And generally speaking, income inequality, access to health care, because if you don't know where your next meal is coming from or you're sick and you can't afford care, it's hard to be an activist for anything that you care for. Implicit in all of this is a belief that many of us hold that representative democracy needs to be representative of the people. And we have acutely a situation now. Princeton has studied this. We talked about it with Tom Hartman on the program last week. We have, yes, an oligarchy, but we also don't have representation in the sense that most of us understand it should work. The majority of Americans want more stimulus checks, and they believe that the plan Joe Biden has put forward is the right plan. They support that plan and they support health care reform. And they don't think we should be involved in many of the military conflicts we're engaged in. And it just has that just doesn't matter because politicians are representing who someone else. They're representing donors. They're representing lobbyists. They're representing industry. They're representing elites or whatever the case may be. And uh, a majority of Americans increasingly are not getting to decide. Now, if everybody voted and not only if everybody voted, but they were informed, you would be able to fire some of these people. But unfortunately, due to a lack of media literacy, political awareness, apathy, people being busy living their lives, which I also understand, the system gets perpetuated and we increasingly have a non-democratic apparatus representing the people. Bigger issue than we can fix today, but uh, we will be covering the Trump impeachment trial starting tomorrow. Most of the country wants Trump convicted. It's not going to happen. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't lie to you in January of 2020. We knew Trump wasn't getting convicted. Trump's not getting convicted this time either. Now, I know some. Oh, but that, that's the one other thing I wanted to say. Secret ballot. A lot of people writing to me saying, David, if there were a secret ballot, would Trump get, get convicted? Maybe, but it's not going to happen. And we'll talk about why a secret ballot won't happen. Maybe on tomorrow's show. The David Pakman Show at DavidPakman.com.
One of our sponsors is Four Sigmatic, the company best known for their delicious mushroom coffee. Four Sigmatic's mushroom coffee is organic, fair trade, single origin Arabica coffee with both lion's mane and chaga mushrooms. Chaga mushrooms have actually been shown to have potential in supporting the immune system in peer reviewed studies. I've been drinking Four Sigmatic coffee a lot lately. It actually doesn't taste anything like mushrooms. It just tastes like any delicious coffee, but it's really easy on my stomach. Doesn't give me any jittery feeling or a midday crash. And they have over 20,000 five star reviews. And best of all, if you don't love it, you'll get 100% of your money back because they stand behind their product. You've got nothing to lose by giving it a try. Four Sigmatic is giving my audience up to 40% off and free shipping when you go to foursigmatic.com slash Pacman. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash P-A-K-M-A-N. The link is also in the podcast notes for this episode. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com. Okay, so we're continuing our conversation about the possible future or futures of the Republican Party in this time when they've stopped even pretending to be about issues and policy. And as we talked about earlier in the show, they've become the party of performative outrage. What about that new party that Donald Trump might start? Are there a lot of Republicans who would abandon the Republican Party and follow Trump? Or would it be an exercise in futility? Well, we have a poll about this. And the numbers are a disaster for the Republican Party. Sixty four percent of registered Republicans, nearly two thirds of registered Republicans said as of the last few days of January that they would leave the Republican Party and join a new party led by Donald Trump if he were to do that. Now, very interestingly, 28 percent of independents and 15 percent of Democrats also said they would likely join a third party led by Donald Trump. Um, so what? <laughs> yeah. The first takeaway is how on earth do 15 percent of Democrats end up liking the idea of following Donald Trump to a kooky third party? That's not a great sign for Democrats. It implies that a significant portion of Democratic support is what we would call soft support. And we probably many of us inferred that uh, uh, some 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 years ago, uh, but it is yet another indication that at least some support of uh, uh, the, of Democrats for their own party is quite weak and they would abandon ship. But 15 percent of Democrats is nothing compared to 64 percent of Republicans. The bigger problem for Republicans is now that we are several weeks post Donald Trump, it is still for now the party of Trump. Uh, and of course, if Donald Trump launches his own party, it would almost ensure disaster for Republicans, at least for one election cycle, but probably for more. And I love the idea and I hope it happens. I mean, we you know, we talk about a third party party spoiler effect when a third party candidate has a minute, a one percent, two percent in some key states. 
a third party spoiler like we have never seen before would be possible with 64 percent of the Republican Party being willing to leave the Republicans and follow Donald Trump. Now, let's be very, very honest with ourselves. There's no doubt that some of the 64 percent in the poll who said I would leave the party and follow Trump, they wouldn't actually. They, they, they maybe like the idea of it right now or they're saying that that's what they would do in order to you know, alarm the Republican Party and the Republican Party should be very alarmed. But I don't think 64 percent of the Republican Party would actually abandon it and follow Donald Trump. But it could be 50 percent. It could be 45 percent. It could be 58 percent. Any of those numbers, I mean, even 25 percent abandoning would uh, destroy the Republican Party for at least one election cycle, if, if not more. Um, if you're wondering, by the way, why um, we've seen the Republican elected officials mostly again start kissing Trump's ass after the January 6th insurrection and since he left, it's because of these numbers. And, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and these people are completely out of their mind. They're radicals. They're terrible for the country. But when they say this is still the party of Trump, when they say Trump still has our support, but he still has the support of the party, they're right. They're absolutely and completely right. And that is what these numbers uh, show us. So I hope Donald Trump does do this. Um, I, it would be the exact cover that Democrats could use to just have Republicans too busy to obstruct Joe Biden's policy ideas. It would be absolutely delightful. I fully support Donald Trump starting another party. Uh, one of the sort of fun things to watch lately, and it's fun in the sense of of it being uh, disaster porn, quite frankly, it's been to see not only the radicalization of right wing media like Newsmax and OAN, but also seeing the low rent characters that have been introduced to us through these networks. So we've come to know people like Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood, uh, Mike Lindell from my my pillow, or as I like to call him, Mike Pillow. Uh, the various hosts and reporters on OAN and Newsmax who either couldn't get jobs at serious news outlets or used to work there and, and were laid off or quit or got fired or whatever the case may be. I have a new one for you today. All right. Newsmax interviewed a woman named Rachel Ham. That's with two M's H A M M. Rachel Ham is a barely known radical right wing Christian. I have no idea why Newsmax even wanted to interview her, but they did. And she went on air and she said, Donald Trump has been the best thing for Christianity since Jesus. Yeah, I'm like Jesus Christ, you know, the, the guy. Um, listen to this. She is responding to claims that some have made that Donald Trump has not been a good Christian nor good for Christianity. Uh, Rachel Ham believes he has been great. In fact, a catastrophe for Christianity. Well, I have to laugh. Uh, President Trump was the best thing to happen to the Christian church in America since maybe Jesus. So, yeah, that's ridiculous. I read the article. I thought if it weren't, I, I don't know. I didn't know if he actually believed the things he was saying, but he is not in touch with what the evangelical church thinks at all. So, OK, Trump, the best thing for Christianity since Jesus. It sounds sort of weird, but. This is a woman who's been invited to speak, so she must know what she's talking about. Right. I, I don't know. I have no idea why she's on TV. Um, we researched Rachel Ham. She has a YouTube channel with twenty three thousand subscribers. OK, she wrote a book called Life Beginning, which is about her connection to God. 
And she has a website where she sells online courses and ebooks and she will give you advice and this type of thing. So I don't know what's more sad that this is the person that Newsmax was able to get to talk about how great of a Christian Donald Trump is or was or that Newsmax is even willing to have Rachel Ham on to make these claims like I don't know who's dragging down whom I it's not completely clear to me. And this, by the way, is another example of the unhealthy level of idolizing politicians that I've been warning about for years now. I've warned the left and right about this. When I saw cults of personality developing around Tulsi or Andrew Yang or Bernie, whoever, like agree, disagree with people's politics. I think it's a bad idea to deify any politicians that includes the left and the right. This is taking it to the extreme. The best for Christianity since Jesus. This is very, very. I mean, again, I, you know, it, these seem like sick people to me. To me, this doesn't seem like uh, it's someone who's emotionally well placed within the within the world. But so much like we've been talking about the Republican Party becoming uh, more about performative outrage. This is another element of modern republicanism that is either going to destroy the party or they'll have to rule it, root it out. I don't know that this is a party that I mean, you know, a lot of us obviously don't take people like Rachel Ham nor Newsmax seriously as it is. But to the extent that Newsmax will play a role in the modern right wing movement and the Republican Party or the Trump party, if Trump is, is decides to create a third party, um, this is not going to be, you know, you and I might say it's it's obviously humiliating. They won't see it that way, but I still don't think it's useful because there are Republicans who find this type of nonsense just not good politics. They think it's unproductive for them. And that's often that's often the strongest word they're willing to use. It's not productive, it's sort of like Susan Collins being perpetually disappointed by what Donald Trump did. It's kind of a toothless uh, phrase. But in any case, it is going to be a drag on the Republican Party. And this is this is a real challenge. I don't you know, for years we've been hearing demographic shifts mean Republicans will never win Texas again. And like so far, they keep winning Texas. Maybe at some point the demographic shifts will take Texas from Republicans. This combination of factors seems very serious. Uh, Sixty four percent of Republicans willing to leave the party and follow Trump to a third party, as we talked about earlier. Um, the conservative media audience increasingly split between Fox, Newsmax, OAN and others. The Trumpy Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Madison Cawthorn wing of the Republican Party increasingly at odds with people like Mitt Romney, not exactly a liberal by any stretch of the imagination. All of these things together really could spell disaster for the Republican Party. I hope it happens and we'll continue following it. Hey, this is funny. Um, this is just a very this is a light thing. OK, this is not serious. We, we've done a lot of serious stuff today. Uh, I posted a funny YouTube comment to my Instagram the other day. One of our callers called in and read it, and it is even more incoherent when you hear it read. It's almost like an audience hatred mail. Take a listen to this. Hi, David. You are a sweet. You are a fake news, just like <laughs> Donald Trump said. You don't bring the news. You bring whining, right? Complaining things to complain because if you're not understanding this, you are not having a medical event right now. It really doesn't make any sense. 
I don't do what you want him. Good want him to do it. Right. Now buying is doing what you want him to do. So you're happy and criticizing those people who are not sure that this is what needs to be done. Right. <laughs> and I uh, trust me. I looked at it several times before posting it to my Instagram, and it still somehow made more sense then than it does now actually hearing it read out. So that it, that is really something else. I love that. We have a great bonus show for you today. Uh, we are going to be previewing our coverage of the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump, which starts tomorrow. I don't even know at what time yet. I've been so busy today. I'm guessing. 10 a.m. maybe Eastern. I don't know. Uh, I'm just guessing. But in any case, we'll figure out what time it starts and we are going to have very, very powerful coverage for you and much more on today's bonus show. Remember that to get instant access to the bonus show, you need only sign up at joinpacman.com. Very easy. There is a coupon code. The coupon code saves you a lot and the coupon code is better 21. It could be all caps all lowercase, a mix of the two. It is not case sensitive, but it must be spelled correctly. That's B E T T E R 21. No spaces whatsoever. I would love to see you on today's bonus show. Otherwise, I will see you tomorrow. New show. And of course, of course, of course, impeachment coverage live on YouTube, Twitch and Facebook. Um, and then after tomorrow, we will be on vacation for three months. So I will see everybody then. That's a joke, by the way. People get mad when we go on vacation. We really don't take that much vacation, but we're here all week. All right. I'll see everybody tomorrow or hopefully on the bonus show. <laughs>